going into the 10th mystery, the cycles of time to become capable of rendering endpoints to karmic cycles of time into birth points. Um, one of these, uh, I'll just point this out because this is helpful. When we're talking about cycles of time and creating birth and endpoints, we're talking about one of the, um, one of the first rites of passage where we are being trained into the realm of evolution. So we are learning how you can actually energetically move and uh, alter within the life stream of a soul to create an endpoint. So let's say someone is karmically circling. You're just doing the same thing over and over again, lifetime after lifetime or whatever. You're going to create an endpoint. It's going to be right here. Energetically, you're going to create this, but then you'll have to create a counterbalancing birth point that will then activate as soon as the endpoint takes place. So, where are, uh, what are the ways that an initiate may be asked to work on cycles of time? It would be on an individual soul, on a karmic group, on a larger karmic group, such as nations or peoples. Um, and also you can be asked to work on this on a planetary cycle. Um, so you can be doing this on a lot of different levels, but what you're doing is you're working in energy. If a soul is determined and these determinations come through the Holy spirit from God, that a soul is circling and that it is time for an end point and a birth point to be placed then you will go through the training uh, as to how to actually set one of these in motion. Um, and so there's a whole lot um, that you're gonna learn about that because, um, you know, uh, because what you're doing literally is creating like a sudden thrusting end to a pattern of habitual behavior that is uh, destructive to uh, this person or this group or whatever you might be working on. Obviously in the beginning, you'll work on an individual soul and, you, and then you might be called into uh, working with bigger and bigger groups of people. Um, um, <laughs> I wanted to point this out because um, this is actually something written by St. Augustine that I included in the chapter. Um, because I think it's very fascinating when we remind people that these things that we find out about, learn about, are mentioned throughout history in the ancient sacred texts. They're not something that we're just creating new here. These are not new. These are, we are just creating the map. We're laying out the map. But this is from St. Augustine. This was from his, his book, The City of God. And he says, this controversy, some philosophers have seen no other approved means of solving than by introducing cycles of time 
in which there should be a constant renewal and repetition of the order of nature. And they have therefore asserted that these cycles will ceaselessly recur, ceaselessly recur, one passing away and another coming, though they are not agreed as to whether one permanent world shall pass through all these cycles or whether the world shall at fixed intervals die out and be renewed so as to exhibit a recurrence of the same phenomena. The things which have been and those which are to be coinciding. And from this fantastic vicissitude, they exempt not even the immortal soul that has attained wisdom, consigning it to a ceaseless transmigration between delusive blessedness and real misery. What an explanation of what the cycles of time are, how they are uh, demonstrated in our conscious mortal life. And he is, you know, kind of doing a diatribe against this, you know, ceaseless repetition, um, which unfortunately is human existence. But that's what the, the, this uh, mystery will be addressing. We learn how to alter those. And by learning to alter those, we are now beginning in our evolutionary, uh, you know, um, training that we are going to receive on how do we actually manage and alter reality um, in worlds, in souls, so that, you know, we have gone from what this is, which is cycles of time that we over and over again <laughs> to flipping it over where all things are now possible. And so now we begin to learn how that's done. How does the eternal make that happen? And so then, you know, you're going into the 11th mystery, which is the star of Bethlehem. And um, this is to take within the cells of the spirit and body that which becomes birth itself, the messianic potential. This is a beautiful period in the rites of passage um, because you will experience um, quite a few things. Um, there is a place within the spheres of the mystical realms where the star of Bethlehem is kept. And it is kept in a secret place. And you can only go to see it once it has been ordained that it is acceptable for you to do so. And when you look upon this star, there is an energetic um, assertion that takes place because the star of Bethlehem is literally, it carries within it the energy of the birth point of redemption. That's what it is. And so we are literally taking within ourselves the molecules of redemption itself. Another aspect that often occurs during this rite of passage is the fact that you may undergo some, uh, you know, you're going to witness different things uh, in the life of Christ and in the life of other prophets and, uh, uh, you know, and again, Christ, Messiah, not a prophet, Messiah, but in the life of the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages, you'll see that too. Different station, okay? Um, so uh, Christ will... Um, 
unveil himself to you as it is needful and as it is acceptable and uh, within the realm of what you have been admitted to. Sometimes it'll be uh, one of the experiences I had, I remember very clearly, was watching the Messiah being born in Christ, watching him struggle through the night as the Spirit of God was quickening and the Messiah was being born, um, seeing what this transformation really is. Um, and again, remembering Christ is the mystery of the redemption. Um, but the spiritual path that we follow contains many mysteries of the redemption. So they are both. They are both. Um, and again, here you are going to be going through rituals where you will be asking to open the door to the light. Um, everything in the rites of passage is taking you closer and closer to the light that we know to be God, but we go by gradations. So we're traveling. We're traveling by vibration, but we're traveling by sound. We're traveling by spirit. We travel through the galactic heavens, but yet we are also just traveling in place at the same time. It's not one of those things, it's all of those things. And they occur simultaneously and there is no contradiction because they are all one and the same thing. Um, you know, here is, um, I'll just share with you from, uh, from the writings of Hermes, um, which, you know, elevates this mystery a little bit. Um, because again, here, uh, this is Hermes here, and then I'll come back to this. Then God spoke to the Holy Word within the soul of all things, saying, Increase in increasing and multiply in multitudes, all you, my creatures and workmanships. Let him that is endued with mind know himself to be immortal, and that the cause of death is the love of the body. And let him learn all things that are, for he who has recognized himself enters into the state of the good. Now, again, remember, we when, I when we started this, I talked about how you're learning how to speak mystical language. So you have to engage in a lot of contemplation and meditation on these words and um, learn what they mean. But going back again to the 11th mystery itself, I wrote, for to take within the cells of the spirit and body that which becomes birth itself, the messianic potential. So when Christ came into this world, he brought with him this potential, this pattern of life, this pattern of soul that was not possible before his coming. So 
we are now embarking on also taking within ourselves whatever aspects of that messianic potential we can also take within ourselves. This is all a very important part of the rites of passage because what Christ brought in is the mystery of the redemption. So it was, so, a, para it was a paradigm shift for humanity. Yes, it was a paradigm shift. I love that. Perfect. Yes, it was. And you know what, you know, ironically, you know, we talk about how we're trying to lay out this map um, throughout um, spiritual human history, you have uh, souls that come in to bring in a pattern. And Christ was the ultimate pattern. Um, he was all that he said he was, the way, the truth, and the life. He was all these things, but he was also a pattern. He was bringing a potential into human reality that did not exist before that coming. So then we can look at the second coming of Christ. And this would be, you know, how some of the Hindu yogis, including Paramahamsa Yogananda, have um, spoken of this idea of the second coming of Christ, which can be both. It can be both a physical um, uh, event that is completely literal, but the second coming of the Christ within us is what we are dealing with right here. The messianic potential, the energetic particles of that pattern that uh, Christ made possible and that we are to now embrace and take on board vibrationally with the light um, and all of that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So before Christ came, we didn't have that potential. I wonder, I guess that was the time when humanity was ready for it. Right. Yeah. That was the time. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some of this, again, remains within the mystery of God as to the timing and how things were intended and how they then came about. Um, but yes, this was uh, a new potential that was brought forth. And, you know, then at the time of the resurrection, uh, there was another new potential that came forth. You know, Christ descended to the dead. He liberated all the souls who were in the purgatories and the souls who were in the lower spheres who um, did not have um, what was needed before that to make significant progress. And so by doing what he did in the resurrection, when he descended to the dead and then rose, he literally, look at these things from both a literal and then a symbolic way. So literally, Christ descended into the dead and then rose again. He's pulling the souls up. He's rising up and making the rising possible for the rest of us. You see, and even in, in this particular mystery, in the 11th mystery, um, we are 
watching this um, birth, uh, the messianic potential, but also don't forget the whole idea of what this birth means because uh, birth itself is all about creation, right? So this creation, this creative potential, the divine feminine, the ability to die and yet rise again. These are symbolic renderings. They're also literal renderings, but they're also symbolic of exactly what is being accomplished in every step of Christ's life for the rest of us, as well as um, just from a historical perspective. So, so the rise again. So when, you know, it's like man has fallen very deeply into the ways of, of the earth and the being mortal and the, the seven deadly sins and the vices. And so they've fallen, but then this is the opportunity to, to rise. Right. And so is that the redemption? Because I've never really fully been able to articulate. I mean, I've read the definition. I've heard you say it, redemption. But is that what it is? It's like you're fallen, but you arise. And that's your, the redeeming of the soul. Like God created the soul, you know, knowing that it had the propensity to fall into darker realms and then brought this paradigm shift to allow the soul to then rise again is that the the redeeming of the soul or i mean i know the soul has to do it by themselves too right through working well none of us none of us do it by ourselves that's the reality (laughs) perhaps we're guided we have a lot of help we definitely have a lot of help but yeah but you know the um yes the rising again is what is how we are redeemed you know we are redemption so that is the redemption well, we are being our debt is being paid by this great act and so how is that what does that mean that our debt is paid because also means, you talk about in the great you know universe um redemption is something that is very much revered yeah you mm-hmm. know throughout all species and all you know extraterrestrials and universes mm-hmm. redemption is super Revered. It's a big thing. It's like, you know, it's like rock and roll. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you can't you can't just, you know, dismiss it. It's there, you know. So yeah, it is. Um the because this is what um the path of the soul is, is the purification. So it is rising again. That's what's happening is you are from the ashes, I shall rise again. And that's what we're doing when we're being redeemed. And we are going through this redemption, not through um, you know, just the power of our own will or our own desire or our own intention, but we are going through this redemption through the power of all these graces and gifts that others have uh, left before and are giving now to, you know, actually going back to the staircase of ancient sacred texts from earth to heaven, which is the body of knowledge of human history. 
which shows us the way to the treasure chest, which the treasure chest is the enclosed garden of God. That's what we're all looking for. That's the treasure chest. So the redemption is when we are able to be redeemed for something greater. And uh, that is the soul turning itself around. And so it's falling and the redemption occurs and all of a sudden it's rising. You see, that is the, uh, the goal of this spiritual journey that we're on. Well, I can see and, how you know, that would be a huge gift to... Why it is so a huge gift. And, you know, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, let's look at the definition of redemption and just see the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. So that's the mysteries of that's the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. That's an Does that make it makes more sense? Yeah, it's, an, yeah. it's an invitation into immor immortality and enclosed garden of God eventually. And yeah. Mm -hmm. All the higher. <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, you know what? You know what? You're welcome. Come on in. <laughs> well, um, this is kind of an interesting way to put it. You know, Jacob Bohm, one of my faves. I focused a lot on his writings in the Christ of the Redemption, in part because I feel like Jacob Bohm is kind of like a unsung mystical hero, you know. <laughs> but here from the Confessions of Jacob Bohm, this kind of uh, says it very well. A true Christian is not a mere historical new man. He is a biological fact the crown of the great work of spiritual alchemy. Christian history is only the cradle of the child. I'm going to say that again, because remember what we're talking about, the initiations into the star of Bethlehem, the initiations of birth. Christian history is only, quote, the cradle of the child, unquote. The framework within which the law of regeneration is perpetually manifested and the heavenly man, citizen of the eternal light world, is brought forth in the world of time. Wow, that's redemption. <laughs> oh, and I love this. Bohm says, we heartily wish that the lip Christians, and you know what he means by that, those who say I'm a Christian, but maybe it's not that big part of their life, might once find by the experience in themselves and so pass from the history into the substance. He's talking about the fact that redemption is a substantial experience. 
it is not just a historical remark that we say, yeah, I agree with that, sure, why not? He wants those who talk about it from a surface under the seven level, experience it and pass from that understanding to a substantial experience of Christ and then uh, also God. And so then as we're passing that, we go into the 12th mystery, the seven levels of heaven. To contain the knowledge and travel, the seven heavenly spheres at will, to bring that which is above to that which is below, the entrance of the Shekinah spirit. So we're in the 12th mystery here. Um, and this, this is a, a period of rites of passage where you actually do have to uh, learn to travel through the various levels, one through seven of these seven levels of heaven. And some of these lower levels are earthbound spirit levels. And then you learn how to bring the wisdom from the higher levels down into the lower. So let's say you travel into the seventh sphere in order to bring something that is going to help a soul in the fourth or the third sphere. You're going to bring them vibration that is going to enhance their understanding, their wisdom. That's what this is about. Um, so what we're doing by doing this is you are bringing the potential of a higher thrust into the incarnations of souls that are residing in lower areas, just as the souls that help us are bringing higher potentials to us. Um, it's the way that we all give back to creation that which creation gives to us. And um, so, you know, the seven heavens is, is pretty much a Jewish teaching, but it's something that you will travel through mystically in the rites of passage. Um, and this is where you do learn a lot about the importance of service, service to your fellow man, service to uh, humanity, and the fact that if we, if we would like to be assisted, we also must assist. It's just the way, it's the nat natural law of exchange in the universe. And um, so what this also shows, and this is a good point, that the seven levels of heaven show us that heaven, purgatory, and hell and the infinitudes thereof all reside within the seven original spheres of creation. And so, you know, we talk a lot about the multitudinous uh, levels that we have within uh, various earths, various purgatories, various hells, and various heavens. You know, there's an infinite number of heavens. There's an infinite number of purgatories. There's an infinite number of hells, but yet we understand and learn that those all reside within the original seven spheres of creation. Um, and there's a lot more to this that you will learn as you go about those seven spheres of creation. Um, there's some stuff in here from the uh, Zohar, which is part of the Kabbalah and explaining each of those seven spheres. Um, 
and just for kicks, let's just get some of the basic, um, you know, so the seven spheres of the celestial world are prototypes of those that surround our world and are inhabited by angelic beings who sing praises of the Holy One. Now, from what I'm reading here is from the Zohar, the Bereshith to Lech Lecha, Nerho de Manhar. Um, and so I'm just going to give you a little overview here. There's a lot more detail in the book. But the first of these higher or celestial spheres and nearest to the earth is altogether void of light and is the abode of angels who are like tempestuous winds, never seen but felt and are always invisible as they are void of light and darkness and undistinguished by any color. The second celestial sphere is distinguished from the first by the possession of a modicum of light and is inhabited by angels appointed to watch over humanity and guide it into the path of uprightness whenever there is danger of its falling into error and wrongdoing. And the third celestial sphere is pervaded and filled with fire and flames. In it, the fiery river takes its rise and flows into Gehenna, overwhelming and engulfing in its course those mortals whose lives on earth were given up and addicted to evil and wrongdoing. The fourth celestial region, splendidly luminous, being the abode of angelic beings of great honor and dignity, who, unlike those of the first sphere, begin and finish their worship of the Holy One without interruption. And the fifth celestial sphere is one of still greater and more intense light. Therein are angels, some of them ruling over fire, some over water, and are messengers either of mercy or judgment, and as such become manifested as heralds of light or darkness. Their worship of the Holy One takes place at midnight. The sixth celestial sphere is nearer to the kingdom of heaven. In it are seas covered with ships, also rivers and lakes abounding in fish. Its denizens are under the rule of presidents, the chief of whom is named Uriel, who enter on their official duties at certain fixed times. And the seventh celestial sphere is the highest and accessible only to souls of the greatest purity and thus qualified to enter into its joys and delights. None other are found there. In it are laid up treasures of peace, blessings, and benefits. And before you can cross through this uh, mystery and these rites of passage, you have to qualify to travel through the seventh heaven. It is one of the requirements, one of the things that's necessary in that particular part of the uh, rituals of passage. You can't go any further. Um, it's pretty neat when you get to go there for the first time because <laughs> you, you do have to earn it. Um, but I like the way that it was written here in the Zohar saying you have to qualify 
because that is really more of the type of word that I think is appropriate rather than earning it, you know? It is, you have to qualify. <laughs> and so the 13th mystery, you're moving into the Thunder Tribe in the great day of purification. To obtain the purified unity of the masculine and feminine constructs and spirit and energize the thrust wherein karma will hit the ground to seek further purification. So just a warning here. You just had this magnificent experience of qualifying to get to the seventh heaven. And guess what? Now you have to go through the rites of passage to literally energize your karma hitting the ground. Boy, does that suck. <laughs> it's like enjoy, enjoy the 12th while you can and then be prepared because the 13th is going to be like, oh boy, what fun we're going to have because this is where everything that you've learned about the habitual problems you've had in your many incarnations um, and all of the self-deceptions, delusions, and all these things, they're going to hit the ground, which means all of a sudden, everything is going to enter into your life, which is going to force you to face the exact same karma, the exact same delusions, the exact same habitual behaviors again. And with your new refreshed sense of mind and spirit, it is hoped that you will have the presence of soul to break the habitual pattern and do something different. Um, and don't be surprised how hard that is to do because it is habitual and you may have done it thousands of lifetimes. So it is a tough period. This, and so I guess it's, it's, uh, it's almost ironic that it's the 13th mystery because it just had to be the 13th to be the one that's going to, you know, kind of kick your butt a bit, you know, <laughs> I mean, some more, you know, like you haven't had enough of that, you know, so uh, the way I wrote it here. And so it comes to pass that the essence of breath, life, and death must visit the soul. And boy, is that the truth that's going to happen. Um, and uh, you're going to have this newfound knowledge of what you've remembered from your past and all the ways that you've handled things incorrectly in the past. And then you have to now, okay, so if all these ways were not effective, did not achieve a big freeze. Uh-oh. Okay. There back. you are. Hello. We're unstable again. Says the internet connection is unstable. <laughs> yeah. But you said big freeze. And I think you were talking about the screen, but I said, yes, it is a big freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Total big it is a big freeze. Um, is it, is it, uh, sort of similar to you getting slammed a couple nights ago. Yes. It's very similar, except that I was slammed a couple of nights ago to be given correction on some things that I'm doing in this particular area in the rites of passage, 
it's going to hit you from all directions in your physical waking life as well. It's not just going to be something you're facing in the mystical world anymore. You're going to have to now go through these same events and try to figure out how God would have you uh, handle it differently uh, this time to make it more fruitful for your soul, more redemptive. <laughs> and it's tough because a lot of times that's all you've got to go on. You've got what you've been informed of spiritually through all these other rites of passage. And you've got these memories that you've been given of past periods of time where you have uh, gone through the same things and the different ways that you've handled it. Um, but you don't necessarily, it's not like um, you don't necessarily receive, okay, so this time, this is what we want you to do. You know, they don't do that. It's like, okay, you're going to look and you're going to see all the mistakes you've made. You've been taught in a lot of these foundational precepts. Now, how do you handle it differently with that knowledge? And a lot of times you really are not sure what to do because you, you've seen maybe, you know, several, maybe dozens of ways you've handled it, none of which were effective. Um, and then you're like, well, I don't know what the right thing is because now you're taking in, you know, these energetic truths, these issues that come up through the energetic discernment of things. And you are finding that there is no um, clear black and white answer to all human action or interaction. There's always all of these other things, the intentions, the actions of others, the um, circumstances that surround events that complicate this discernment. And so it's tough. This is a tough phase, and I think it deserves the 13th position, probably, because it's tough. It's not a, like, you know, real, um, uh, really, you know, joyous. Fun. It's not, you know, and, you know, uh, Interestingly, in this chapter, I included some writings from the Pistis Sophia, which is a Gnostic text, which one of my faves, of course, I, I love the Pistis Sophia. But um, one of the things about the Pistis Sophia that is so fascinating is it's the, um, it's, a, it's attributed to being the teachings of Jesus to uh, his apostles and a bunch of disciples and the women were there, Mary Magdalene and Mary and others and um, lots of people. And he presents them with these mysteries. Many of them are in the form of a Psalm. And he says, can you, can you um, tell me the meaning of this mystery? And then you know, Mary Magdalene will walk forward or one of the apostles will walk forward and they'll, they'll say what, what they believe the, the solution to this mystery. There's a hidden key in all of these Psalms. And um, a great portion of the book, it focuses a lot on the uh, chastisements of various kinds of wrongdoing in this world and the next. And so 
uh, it's fascinating because they go through all of these different possible uh, conglomerations. So they'll be like, well, what about if someone commits murder, but they did so because this, this or this, and then there was slander involved, and then there was this, you know, so they do it where they place all these different scenarios, and then the Lord will respond to them with the answer, well, if this is what happens, then they will have to make, they will have to go through these eons and spheres for um, their purification, and, um, and so it's, it's an interesting text because it teaches us about these uh, these uh, subtleties, the subtle things that, you know, um, contribute to all of it. So like, for instance, here, I'm just going to read you from it because people need to know about this Pistosophia. <laughs> if they don't, they're missing something. So, you know, this is from the Pistosophia. This is probably, um, yeah, the 1921 translation by Mead. Andrew questioneth Jesus. <laughs> and Andrew answered and said, My Lord, I am astonished and marvel exceedingly how the men who are in the world and in the body of this matter, if they come forth out of this world, will pass through these firmaments and all these rulers and all lords and all gods and all these great invisibles and all those of the region and of the midst and those of the whole region of the right and all the great ones of the emanations of the light and enter into them all and inherit the light kingdom. This matter, therefore, is hard for me. <laughs> Got to pause. <laughs> Make sure people are listening to that, because that's a heck of a question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That the disciples and the powers are all from the same mixture. When then Andrew had said this, the spirit of the Savior was roused in him. He cried out and said, how long am I to endure you? <laughs> how long am I to bear with you? Have you not then even yet understood and are ye ignorant? Know ye then not and do ye not understand that ye and all angels and all archangels and the gods and the lords and all the rulers and all the great invisibles and all those in the midst and those of the whole region of the right and all the great ones of the emanations of the light and their whole glory, that ye all, one with another, are out of one and the same paste and the same matter and the same substance, and that ye all are out of the same mixture. And he uses mixture with a capital M. So he's speaking of the mixture as it comes from creation itself. And that the commandment of the first mystery, the mixture with a capital M, was constrained until all the great ones of the emanations of the light and all their glory purified themselves. And until they purified themselves from the mixture with a capital M, and they have not purified themselves of themselves, but they have purified themselves by necessity according to the economy of the one and only the ineffable, which is also capitalized, meaning God. Um, and then it goes into a whole bunch more of things. And there's even a whole section 
of the purifying mysteries. Mm. Purifying mysteries? And here, you can hear in this a little bit of what we were talking about, about Christ bringing in the pattern, what he has done in his incarnation. Amen, I say unto you, for the sake of the race of men, because it is material, I have torn myself asunder and brought unto them all the mysteries of the light that I may purify them for they are the refuse of the whole matter of their matter. Else would no soul of the total race of men have been saved and they would not be able to inherit the kingdom of the light. If I had not brought unto them the purifying mysteries. You see what we, he's just mm -hmm. expressed what we've been talking about. That whole thing, which is, you know, the previous two or three mysteries about the pattern of Christ and what he made possible for all of us. And so that's what is happening. So as karma is hitting the ground, you remember this because, and remember, it is one of the purifying mysteries This when karma hits the ground and all the crap hits the fan around you. This is the time that the purifying mysteries are quickened within. And this is where you are now really beginning to be reborn again and to be able to access the mistakes of your past. And you have this opportunity now to relive it anew within the confines of the new knowledge that you now encompass. Very important, important stuff. And that of course, takes you into the 14th mystery, Brian. After 13 comes yeah. 14? <laughs> yes, Is, is this part of the mysteries? Like... <laughs> 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 what this is incredible i know and so this is the frequency of otara and the coming forth for thy wings it's kind of a contrast here because this is to obtain the frequency of the angelic hierarchy and perform service rendering the initiate worthy of his wings so after karma has hit the ground and you've gone through this what can be lengthy lengthy period of time it can be years can be years, you know, it just depends on the person and whatever. How long, how long did it take you to go through the 28 mysteries? Oh my gosh, the 28 mysteries? I'd say about 15, 20 years. And one of the things you find though, even though, um, is that you revisit them throughout your life, you know, so you never really complete them for good you're always going to revisit um, and then you go into higher expressions of these mysteries so you know that's part of that uh difficult part to explain because you like higher octaves higher octaves yes thank you brian exactly you'll go into higher octaves of it and it will uh, continue to expand you'll continually be 
presented with continuing challenges um, on the ground, but also spiritually and mystically. And so you'll revisit, but you will also revisit things in higher octaves. And so that's how you'll proceed forward.